Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. We've been looking at the life of, of uh, King David. And you know, it, it, it wasn't planned. I didn't sort of want this series on David. You know, I never had that in my mind. I started with one message just a few weeks ago. And, and the, the more you sort of get into it, the more, you know, the spirit experience expounds different thoughts and principles. So, um, you know, it's sort of been expanded from there. And uh, to recap last week of those who, who weren't here, David had an amazing confidence in his life. This young boy who took out a giant had incredible confidence. Last week our message was, was called the King's Confidence. And uh, as we read through that passage, Last week, we see that he was anointed by the prophet Samuel in 16, uh, 12 to 13. He was positioned by his father on the front line in 1 Samuel 17, 17, 17. And he was appointed by King Saul to take out Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 37. And... uh, The three things we spoke about last week was to be anointed, to be positioned, and to be appointed. And I can tell you tonight that that is the same message for every believer in this room. That is the same um, declaration over our lives, that you are anointed, you are positioned, and you are appointed to be an ambassador of God, to be an ambassador of God. And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.20, he said, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Did you hear it in that passage? It says, as though God was making his appeal through us. That's your positioning tonight in Christ. He has, this passage has got to confirm that, you know, we are anointed because God empowers those he anoints. We are positioned, we're in the right place at the right time. Don't be sitting there waiting for God to say, you know, go. Speak life. Encourage, build, strengthen. Don't be waiting to do that. You're positioned right now in the right place at the right time in your family, in your employment, in your education, wherever that is, it's the right place at the right time. And of course, you're appointed under his authority to be a witness here on this earth. Now, Acts 1.8, I think my most favourite scripture in the Bible says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Title this message tonight, Our Life is Our Witness. Our life is our witness. And we're going to see what we can learn uh, from the, the life of David tonight about being a witness. The first thing is an excellent spirit. In verse 17, we see here in chapter 16, verse 17, it says, So Saul said to his attendants, 
find someone who plays well and bring them to me. Now, the background of that story in verse 14 tells us that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from King Saul. Now, the reason for that was that King Saul was appointed. He was commissioned by God, but he disobeyed the word of the Lord. God told him to go and do a certain thing, and he thought in his own, you know, um, um, brilliance that he would do a bit of that and add a bit of that, and you know what, I think this would be better, and, and he changed the whole recipe, if you like. And because of that, God said, no, 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 I, I can't have you doing your own thing, man. We have a plan here. We have a mission to reach a world. I can't have you going off doing your own thing. I've got to find someone else who will obey, who will understand that obedience is better than sacrifice, no matter what the excuse. And after the Spirit of the Lord left, there was a, an evil spirit that came upon Saul from time to time. And, and uh, the only thing that sort of made him feel sort of normal again was if someone played guitar. You know, obviously not me. If I play guitar, he'd feel worse. But, you know, he needed some type of music to calm him down. And they just didn't want anybody strumming a guitar. It says here in this passage of Scripture that they wanted somebody who plays well. Somebody who plays, don't you admire those people that do it well, that play well? And uh, even in that day, they, they admired an excellent spirit. And it ran through the family. Because David was um, King Solomon's father. And he records an amazing witness of excellence when he received a visit from the Queen of Sheba. 1 Kings 10, 4 and 5 says, When the Queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the place that he'd built, the food on his table, the attending servants in their robes, the cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made, uh, he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed. So this is David's son, Solomon, who went to higher levels. And of course, you know, people from all over the world came and to see what David was all, uh, Solomon was all about, and they were overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed. What you have to understand is that everything you do prophesies. Everything you do prophesies, speaks a message about who you are. Everything you do. We think, oh, well, no one knows me. I'm a nobody. I'm not. No, no, no. No, you, you prophesy a message about yourself in everything that you do. We see that at Highway. We strive to have an excellent spirit in all the things we do for two reasons. One, because what we do represents our Lord and Saviour. I don't want to give God a black eye. You know, I, I, want, I want God to shine. When people look at my life, they're not going to see perfection, but they're going to see a, a God who is honoured. And secondly, it's our witness to those who, who don't yet know God who don't yet know him. Because you only get one chance at a first impression, amen? You only get one chance at a first impression. In your job, in your job, 
in your studies, in your business. And the thing is, it doesn't cost any more to be excellent. Because it's a spirit, it's an attitude. You can be excellent about anything. And it doesn't cost you any more. You're going to do the same time. You can do a bad job in the same time you can do an excellent job. I'll tell you, one prophesies something different from the other. See, if you strive for an excellent spirit, then you'll, number two, stand out. You'll stand out. In verse 18, it says, One of the servants answered, I have seen son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre, which is sort of an old guitar. He is a brave man and a warrior. And that was before he took out Goliath. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man and the Lord is with him. It's not a bad resume, is it? Not a bad resume. That's what they say about this guy, David. Not a bad resume from a sheep herder from out the back of Whoop Whoop. No one knew this kid. This kid was way out the back block somewhere. But somehow he stood out amongst all those people in his region. You look here in this passage of Scripture, they noticed his family. They knew he played guitar, that he was brave that he spoke well. He was a handsome dude, young David. And there was a touch of God upon his life. A bit like a lot of our young people down here. There was a touch of God upon his life. There was something about that boy. You left his presence, you're thinking, I like that kid. Something about him. There was a, there was a spirit of excellence on him. He stood out among the rest. And David was no doubt a, a standout in his community. But something even greater in chapter 16, verse 1, listen to this. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Remember, Saul got booted out, he got replaced. Since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. God saw him. God noticed. Everyone saw, you know, what a standout David was on the outside. But God saw what a standout David was on the inside. That does not escape God's gaze, I'm telling you right now. And to be a standout on the inside has nothing to do with your personality. It's got everything to do with your integrity. You see, we look at people that are gifted, people that are amazing at doing different things, speaking, music, singing, you know, whatever, drama, whatever they do, movie stars, whatever. We see this amazing gift on their life and we think, wow, what a great person. No, it's, it's what's on the inside that tells the real story. It's the integrity that we have that God's interested in. You might be sitting here tonight thinking, you know, I'm not, I'm not a standout. I'm not special at this. I'm not good at that. I'm not, hey, hey, it's, it's what's in here. That's important. 
And you all got that. Or you got the opportunity to build that and build something that's a standout. Where people walk away from your presence and go, there's something about that person. I, I, I like that. I, there's something good about that, that person. There's an integrity. There's an honesty about them. I can trust that guy, that girl. I tell you, that's worth more than gold. At the end of the day, your integrity is all you have. Your integrity is all you have. Everything you do and everything you say prophesies a message that is a witness to the world. And can I encourage you, be a standout for God. Be a standout for God. Let your integrity speak your witness to the world. Amen? You can all do that. Remember who you represent and be an excellent ambassador. You'll never be perfect. None of us will. But our mission is to be a standout witness for Christ. And one sure way to do that, I thought I'd give you just one living example way to do that, and that is to be generous. To be generous. Think about that. If you're a generous person, I'm telling you right now, wherever you go, you stand out. You stand out. You may not have a huge gift or a great dynamic personality, but a generous person is a spirit. It's an attitude. It's a way of life. And it's very attractive. It's very attractive. It's a standout. I love the second mile principle. I mean, I love that. I love that. I love to scheme to be generous. You know, you hear, you hear in a conversation somewhere, someone sort of doing it tough or someone's doing it hard and you think, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a bad story. Then you sort of walk away and you think, how can, how can we turn this around? How can we make a difference? How can we just switch that? Don't make a big deal about it. Just get a couple of friends on board. Say, come on, come on, let's scheme. Let's create a scheme to be generous, to bless, to turn that situation around. Amen? We can do that. It's a lot of fun, I'm telling you. It's a lot of fun. You blow people away with generosity. You know why? Because you don't have to do it. And no one else is doing it. So you stand out. It's one thing for the king to command Jesse. If you have a look in, in verse 19 and 20, it says, Then Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey, loaded it with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. See, I, I love that. It's not enough that the king says, hey, I want one of your sons to live in the palace with me. He's a good guitar player. I need him. He can't, it'll calm me when, when that evil spirit comes upon me. I want him to come live in the palace now. So what about Jesse? Jesse's lost a labourer. Who's going to look out, you know, after those sheep? That, that, that was David's job. He's going to have to employ someone else to now fill that position because his son wouldn't have got paid. Amen? If it's not enough to say, hey, give me your son... Jesse says, come on, we can do better than that. Load up that donkey. 
get a bunch of goodies, send him this basket of goodies on top. Don't you love that? See, David's got his generosity from his dad. You know, we can say we get a lot of things from our dads and some of them aren't real good, but, but this was worth getting. David takes some food for the brothers at the front line and says, but wait, there's more. You know, when David went up to fight Goliath, well, he didn't go up to fight Goliath, but he went up to see the battle that wasn't happening, right? It was a non-event. But dad sends him up to feed the sons and you know what? Dad says uh, in verse 18, Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of your unit. Now, he didn't have to do that. You know, he just, he was, you know, he looked after his own son, sure. But no, he went over and above that. He fed the commanders as well. A generous man's world gets larger and larger. And a miserly man's world gets smaller and smaller. You've got to know that. You've got to create a large world. A large world, and generosity does that. And our life is our witness, and a, a generous life is a great witness. You know why? Because nobody likes a Scrooge. Do they? Nobody likes a Scrooge. You don't like those people who squeak when they walk. They're that tight. <laughs> no one likes those people. They're not a standout, but, you know, for the right reason anyway. But you'll never forget a generous person. They'll never forget Jesse and David. Because nobody does that. Nobody goes over and Everyone's looking after me, myself, and my own. And, and there's the line. And I don't go over that. <laughs> Got to look after myself. No, that's not our witness. How generous is our God? Wake up every morning and just look out the window. How generous is our God? that we live in this country for a start, <laughs> that the rain's gone. You don't look so excited. You know, I was at the golf club the other day and, uh, you know, you have a round and there's four normally in a group. And so, finish playing golf and everyone says, come, we'll go up and have a drink and that's good. So we get cleaned up a little bit and we go up to the clubhouse and, and uh, you know, I always go and get the first round. So I go up to the bar and, and, uh, and get the first round and sit down and everyone's chatting, we're having a talk and drinking our drink and, and then it happens all the time. The next person will get up and go and it's their shout. Now some people are so tight they wouldn't shout if a shark bit them but... But, you know, there's normally one guy gets up and he, he takes the next shout, which is what you do, right? And they said, oh, uh, Byron, uh, do you want another ginger beer? And I said, no, mate, I'm good. I'm good, thanks. And there's always a pause. It's like, whoa. But you bought the first round. You bought four drinks. And now we buy you one. And then they say, are you sure? You sure you don't, oh, it's my shout, I'll, I'll, I'll grab a drink. No, no, I'm good, man, I'm good. I mean, how many ginger beers can you drink, right? <laughs> and they walk away, and, and this happens three times. Because it, 
it gobsmacked to think that why would anyone buy four drinks and not expect anything in return? Stands out, folks. It's a little thing. I tell you what, they don't forget you. They line up to play with me. <laughs> you with me? Come on, we've got we to be a witness to this world. We're not going to do it by being the same as the world. Amen, we've got to be different. We've got to be different. We've got to have a God witness upon our life. You don't forget a person who's generous. And don't be that guy that, that goes to the toilet when the, when the bill comes. You know, that guy. Don't be that guy. Be the first, be the first to pull your wallet out. Be the first to grab the check on the, on, at the restaurant. Say, no, no, I've got this, got this, I'll pay for that. And you're thinking, I can't afford to do that. It's amazing what opens up when you're generous. It's amazing how you sow and reap. You start to create a spirit of generosity, a spirit of excellence. You start to stand out. I'm telling you, doors open. Doors open, opportunities occur, your life changes, it goes from better to better. It's just, it's just a principle in the Bible. And can I add, be generous to God. Be generous to God. You wouldn't have what you have without Him. That's no two ways about that. Be generous to God with your time and your talent and your treasure. And I promise you, He'll find you even out the back box of whoop whoop. Amen? We talk about reaching the world with the gospel. And the truth is, we're the only ones who can. Because the RSL club doesn't have the gospel. No other club in town has the gospel. Only the body of Jesus Christ, only the church has the gospel message that will bring transformation and change to people's lives. Only we had that. There's some good people in the world who do good things, and it's wonderful, it's wonderful. We celebrate that. But they don't have a salvation message. Only you have that. And you are his witness. You are his ambassador. Amen? We've got to stand out, folks. You've got to be different. Let me pray for you tonight. Father, I just thank you for the challenge that's upon our heart. Lord, we just don't want to come to church. We want to be the church. We don't want to just read the headlines. We want to change the headlines for your glory, for a better world, Father, because of your principles and the teachings of Christ are the best foundation to build a better world. And so, Father, I ask you right now, motivate us. Prod us, annoy us, whatever it takes to rise up and be who we need to be, the witness we need to be, that bring glory to your name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a hand tonight.